be turning your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. And we'll begin there in just a moment. Great to see everybody here. We do have a number of family groups on retreat this weekend, so I'm sure they're having a great time, and uh, you know, that's a lot of fun when you get an opportunity to do that. Uh, so hopefully they're really enjoying that. Raphael came up with a new series for the next three weeks that I think is really going to be fun for us to study through in the Word of God. And uh, I know I'm looking forward to preaching uh, this particular passage and uh, uh, these uh, ideas. It's called Deal or No Deal. And it's going to be a study, a three-week study of dealing with temptation. Now, are you ever tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes you are. There's no question about that. We are all tempted to do things from time to time that we shouldn't do, or to say things, or to act in such a way, etc., etc. Or we may, tempted, may be tempted to not do something that we know we should do, which is uh, you know, a temptation as well. But today we're going to be talking about Adam and Eve. So turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter here. We're going to read the whole story. Then I'm going to make some observations about temptation in general. And then I'm going to come back and talk about some very specific things from this story, which I think will be helpful for us. You guys there? Genesis 3? Okay, let's go ahead and read this together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, no snickering. We're going to come back and talk about this. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. 
You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since... It is from it was from where you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat. And live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he had drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, well-known story. Most of us are familiar with that story. Maybe this is a good reminder for you uh, in reading through it. Uh, it's uh, the great uh, temptation of Adam and Eve uh, that we deal with here. And uh, as we, we get our mind going on this idea of, of temptation, let's go back and let's just sort of go through the story a little bit. Satan takes the form or uh, takes uh, the, the, uh, the snake and, and you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, uses the snake in, in his... Uh, uh, in his way, because the snake is a very devious kind of a of a animal, and uh, this conversation goes back and forth between Eve and the snake about, hey, well, did God really say you can't eat? And she says, well, no. She said we, uh, he said we could eat here, or there, but not to eat of this. And uh, you know, he comes up with the famous statement of, you know, no, you won't. You won't really die. And we find in temptation here an interesting little angle of how temptation is sort of sometimes right and sometimes wrong. No, they weren't going to die physically immediately, but because of what she did, they would die eventually, and they did die spiritually. There became a separation between them and God. So what God told her was true, but Satan tricks her with sort of a half-truth as she goes on through. The husband is apparently there, uh, we don't know why he isn't taking place uh, in this conversation uh, other than the fact that she goes ahead and she eats of the tree. Then she gives it to him and he eats as well. Then God comes, uh, you know, and, and wants to know, why are you hiding? I said, because we're naked. And, and then that, that piercing question, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? Obviously, he knew that they had, but this awareness now had come upon them. Unbelievable story. Then you get into the excuses. Eve, why did you do this? Well, Satan 
you know, the, the serpent deceived me. Adam, why did you do it? Well, the woman you gave me. Sort of subtly blaming God. If you hadn't given me this woman that did this, I wouldn't have had this problem. And then you get into the rest of the story as it goes along. Let's look at a couple of passages about temptation uh, as, as we go along. And if you're taking notes or if you're just thinking here, I want you to, to be honest with yourself. What are some things in your life that you are tempted with? The Bible says we're all tempted in many ways. And we're not all tempted with the same things. But I imagine in every one of our lives, we are very aware of things that we are tempted to do that we know we shouldn't do. Maybe you're tempted to get angry. Maybe you're tempted to to say things to people that you know you shouldn't say. Maybe you're tempted to be prideful when someone tries to help you understand something and argumentative. Maybe you're tempted to be lazy. Maybe you're tempted to be lustful. Who knows? We're all tempted. You're tempted. I'm tempted. We're all tempted in our life. We have a tendency to think the things that other people are tempted with that I'm not tempted with are the really bad things. You know, thank God I'm not tempted to do that. As if that is, uh, you know, one, one half step down the road of, of, uh, of evil more than, than anything you're tempted. Uh, the Bible indicates that uh, sin is sin. And that whatever we're tempted with is the same uh, uh, value as, as the other. But let's look at a couple of passages here about temptation to get our mind going. Look over to uh, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 2. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 2. There's something about Jesus here that is, uh, I think, helpful for us to understand about Jesus as it pertains to temptation. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18. It says, because He Himself suffered when He was tempted. So Jesus was tempted. And actually the third week is going to be about Jesus' temptations of this series. But because He Himself suffered when He was tempted. You ever feel like you suffer when you're tempted, by the way? But Jesus suffered with temptation. He is able to help those who are being tempted. One of the aspects of Jesus in our life is that He helps us in temptation. Look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Really great passage about temptation. You ever feel like you're tempted and and it's just too much? You're being tempted and, and there's just no way out? Well, this is a great passage in promise. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. In other words, there's nothing peculiar about you. Everybody's tempted. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Wow, that's a great promise right there. We're not going to be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. There's a way out when you're being tempted. But a wonderful, great passage about uh, sin and temptation. Look over the book of James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4. Let's get our mind going here a little bit about temptation. James 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. We are 
commanded in this passage from James to resist. We are absolutely supposed to resist it. When we feel the temptation to do something, there's that moment when we can either give in or we can say, no, I've got to find that way out. That way out is here somewhere. I've got to find it somewhere. We've got to resist. We're commanded to fight. We're commanded to resist. And James, since you're in James, James chapter 1, in verse 13, it says, When tempted, didn't say if, it says when, right? When tempted, you're going to be tempted. I'm going to be tempted. It's amazing. You know, uh, Brian shared earlier about being married a year. Uh, you know, Chris and I have been married 33 years. Long time. It's amazing how much you can love your husband or wife and how much you can appreciate them and admire them. It's also amazing how they can annoy you, frustrate you. You know what I'm saying? Chris says, don't go into great detail here. Uh, but you know what? It's amazing. You love your children so much. You just love them so much. But boy, they can really annoy you at times, can't they? And, and teenagers, you love your parents, right? But man, your parents can annoy you, don't they? Don't your parents annoy you sometimes? It's okay to say yes. And, and we get tempted to, to feel things, maybe to say things, uh, and those kind of things in life. So when, when tempted, we're all tempted. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted why by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then it goes on, it says, Then after sin is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so you have all, all this information here that goes along. Now, one last passage, then we're going to go back to Genesis. In, uh, in 1 uh, John chapter 2, we need to sort of understand, here's the root of temptation, the root of sin in our life is given us in 1 John chapter 2. It says do, in verse 15, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Does that mean we shouldn't love our life? Well, no, we should love life, but we have to realize things in the world can draw us into temptation and sin. For everything in the world, look at this, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does come not from the Father, but from the world. And so with these three things here, you actually have sort of the roots of sin in any of our lives in dealing with temptation. The, the, the uh, cravings of sinful man. The lust of eyes. And the boasting of what you have. So you have lust, you have pride, uh, you know, you have the cravings. And, and within it, there you have sort of the basics of these things. Okay, now, let's go back to Genesis 3. And let's do a little analysis of this story. And actually pull out some things and look at some other related passages that would be helpful for us. What do we find here in the story of Adam and Eve? And I'm going to give you four things that I think are important. Number one. You have the role of Satan in temptation. Apparently, Eve is just there, Adam is there, God is there, and Satan is there. He sort of goes into the form of the serpent to to bring about this, this temptation. 
engages Eve. Now, why did he go to Eve and not to Adam? He said, well, because Eve was an easier mark than Adam. I don't know if that's true. But we know that he, he goes after Eve. He said, did God really say? Puts a little bit of a, a light on God. Is God holding back from you some of the really good things about life? Many, many times, our temptations to sin, our temptations are rooted in a feeling of, I'm not getting enough. I'm not getting a fair share. There's something better out there that I'm not getting and I am being excluded. We can blame our parents. We can blame our racial background. We can blame the government. We can blame society. We can blame, and, and the list goes on and on. Or at the end of it, we can blame God. Why am I not getting a fair share? That is at the root of many, many of our temptations. It's why many times we're upset, we're angry, we're frustrated with life. And that leads us to many other sins. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're trying to follow this thing back of why do we sin? Why? It's because Satan comes in and he throws in the, 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 the doubt of your life could be better Somehow you haven't got what everybody else has. And he engages Eve in this thing of temptation. Now, you might say, well, I'm not sure I believe in Satan. I think it's significant to note that Jesus did. Because a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't know if I believe everything in the Bible or whatever. I just believe what Jesus said. Well, look over to John, the book of John. Jesus here speaks very definitively about Satan. John 8, verse 42. The role of Satan in your temptation and my temptation in life. John chapter 8, verse 42. This is a sort of a conversation that's continuing on from what had gone on earlier in chapter 8 that we don't have time to look at. But Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but He sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of Lies. So, for whatever that might be helpful for you to realize, Jesus here absolutely believes in Satan. Wouldn't you agree? Hard to misunderstand that. He not only believes in Satan, he gives us some information. He says he's a murderer, he's a liar. As a matter of fact, when he lies, he speaks his native language. Now, some of you guys in the room here, you speak more than one language, right? You're bilingual. You know what you call someone that's, that uh, can speak three languages? Trilingual. How about two languages? Bilingual. How about one language? An American. You're right. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, it, it is amazing. All over the world, people usually speak more than one language, but if you're from America, somehow that doesn't seem to hold true uh, for many of us, including me. Although I did live in Argentina for four months uh, and was learning Castellano, but I wasn't there long enough to actually learn it, so I, I know enough now to recognize a word every once in a while in Spanish, uh, but not necessarily uh, uh, long enough to, uh, to speak. Now, Chris is bilingual. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's this uh, blonde-haired white woman that works as a nurse. And uh, many times she'll be, uh, you know, with a family that's a Spanish-speaking family. And uh, she'll come in the room and they're talking about all the things going on in the hospital, including uh, how their, their, uh, their loved one is not being served well by the nursing staff and all that. And she understands everything they're saying. And sometimes she'll just respond back to them in Spanish. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. So it's, uh, it, it, it's a fake out sometimes when, uh, when people, people actually know language and you don't know they know, you know, that kind of thing. You think you're speaking and they don't know. But uh, anyway, Jesus believed in Satan and uh, the Scriptures actually talk a lot about Satan and, and Satan's role in our life as it pertains to this. And I want to look at some of these because they're very important. Look over to 2 Timothy. This is what Paul says about Satan. We're just looking at different sort of quotes from the Scriptures of different uh, uh, writers of the New Testament and their comments about Satan. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. He's uh, talking to Timothy here, of course a young minister, and he says, Flee the evil desires of youth to pursue righteousness, love, now, faith, love, and peace along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Wow, that's an underliner right there. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Boy, wouldn't that help all of our lives? If we could just have, you know, have our arguments be the ones that are not foolish and not stupid. Uh, you know, just limit to that. But we, we get a lot of foolish and stupid arguments, don't we? Don't you do that? You ever do that? I do that sometimes. You ever get in an argument and think this is foolish and stupid? Yeah, yeah I do too, you know. And that's why he says, hey, you've got be, to be careful about that. Uh, because they only produce quarrels, he says. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. Hey, that, that's written to me, isn't it, as a minister? I've got to be that kind of person. In verse 25, it says, Those who oppose Him, He must gently instruct, and I hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Oh, now, here we go. Verse 26. And that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do His will. Paul indicates here that the devil can take someone captive and that they are, in essence, as they live out their life, they are now doing the will of Satan. Wow. Oftentimes, we are, we are foolishly shocked by the brutality of the world around us. We hear about things going on in the Middle East. People being beheaded. People being burned alive. We hear about someone in America that, that goes into a, a store and shoots up a bunch of people or a place of work. And we're like, what, what's wrong? How could that ever, ever happen? Well, this passage here explains it perfectly. People have given in. They have been taken captive. And they are doing things that are atrocious. To other people. 
Because they are doing what Satan would have them to do. Christians are saved people living in a lost world. The world is a a brutal place. People are dangerous outside of the love of God in their life. They are capable of anything. The other night I took... uh, Karina down to Yola for her practice. And the practice is right there uh, by the campus of USC. And I was hungry. And I saw in, in the distance, a couple blocks away, the Golden Arches. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'm going to walk over there and I'm going to get a, a cheeseburger. And so I start walking over there, and I, I, I walked over there, and I got the cheeseburger, and uh, you know I'm walking down Martin Luther King Drive there across Vermont. Some of you maybe know where that is, or are familiar with that, 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 uh, that neighborhood and that kind of thing. And I got my cheeseburger, and, and I'm waiting there, you know, uh, after I paid for it, I'm looking around the restaurant, and I'm like, uh, I'm the only white guy in here. Interesting. And I get my cheeseburger, and I, 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 I'm walking out of the door, and walking down uh, 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 Martin Luther King Drive there toward Vermont, and I'm thinking, I don't see any white people anywhere. Now that I think of it, and I thought, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm a target here. <laughs> Look at the stupid white guy walking around in the hood. <laughs> and we laugh but you know what we also hear on the nightly news sometimes that people who do things like that don't preach about it the next Sunday we, we, we live in a dangerous world because when people are giving into temptation, they are doing the things that Satan would have them to do and they are capable of unbelievable atrocities. I want to convince you today that if you don't believe in Satan, you better start. Jesus believed in Satan. He had no doubt about it. And He didn't mince word about it either. He said He's a liar, He's a murderer, and has been from the beginning and always will be. It's dangerous when you start fooling with temptation in your life and thinking it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. One thing leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. And before long, you're doing and saying and acting in ways that you could not have ever imagined that you would have gotten to. You've got to take it seriously. Number two, thanks from our story. The influence of others in our life. We've got to realize, as much as... as, as Adam needed and probably affectionately loved his wife. His wife led him right down the path. You've got to look at your life and you've got to ask yourself a sobering question. Who are my friends and where are they leading me? Who are your friends? And where are they leading you? Are your friends leading you toward righteousness? 
or wickedness. It's a sobering question. Where are your friends leading you? And many times you say, well, I'm leading them. And that may very well be true. You might be leading them. If, if as Christians we're to go and make disciples of all nations, we have to go and have friendships with the unsaved world to try to bring them to Christ, right? But we're having friendship with them with a goal in mind. We're not hanging out with people who are not saved because they're fun to be with. A Christian is reaching out. Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because He wanted to hang out with the tax collectors and sinners? Is He partying up with the tax collectors and sinners because the apostles aren't that much fun? I mean, did Jesus have His good friends and His bad friends? Was Jesus living a double life? No. Jesus was hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners to influence their life and to bring them to righteousness. If you understand what I'm saying. You'd better be very, very mindful in your life. And I should be very, very mindful in my life. Who are my friends? Why are they my friends? And are they leading me in the proper direction? Am I also leading them in the proper direction? What kind of influence are I having in their life? The influence of others on us, number two. Number three, the consequences of bad choices. Eve made a bad choice. Adam made a bad choice. And there were consequences. I mean, it's pretty sobering. The consequences that God laid out. He says, Satan, snake, you will be on your belly all of your life. You will eat the dust. And then he even goes and he goes further and says, basically, uh, you're, you're going to be involved. That that uh, you know you're going to bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head. That's the first uh, picture ahead to the coming of Jesus. But there were consequences. There were consequences for Eve. He says, "You will have a phenomenally difficult time in childbearing." I saw my wife give birth to two children. And I'm telling you, that was astounding. Wow. Thank God I'm a man. (laughs) I'm telling you, that was just like... (laughs) That, that That was staggering. You go home really proud you got a, a baby, a boy and a girl, you know, Ben and then Maria, you know. But on the other hand, you go home and you're just like, yow, wow. I don't know how it was going to be that women would have had babies before them, but I know that what he said, he, he said, there's consequences here. You make bad choices, there's consequences. And Adam, 
Yeah, we say, well, man, the woman got the, the, the bad of it. Well, I'll tell you, Adam got a pretty hard, hard go of it too. The dirt, the dust, the ground, you're going to work at your life and it is going to kill you. It will wear you out. It will destroy you from dust you are and from dust you will return. You will try to make your life and it will be hard. Life is hard. It's tough. And that goes back. There are consequences. You know, if there's anything for our generation of people, I wish that we as a people could absorb this concept and this truth, is that when you make bad choices, there are consequences for your bad choices. It is amazing to me how people in our world today, even people in the church, struggle with wanting to take responsibility for the bad choices you make. You make bad choices you're going to have consequences that come from it. You make good choices, you're going to have consequences that come from bad. We make bad choices, we start to reap what we sowed, and then we start blaming everybody and anybody. This can't be a result of what I did. And you know, the truth of the matter is, in my life and in your life, when we make bad choices, there are consequences. For your bad choices. When you make good choices, there are consequences from that too. And you know what? Everybody's life is a mixture of good and bad. But the next time you start griping and complaining and blaming your parents and the teachers and everybody and anybody that might come to your mind about why your life isn't what you thought it might be, be at least honest enough to go back in time and say, maybe I am living a tough life here because I made a bad choice. And sometimes a bad choice is not a bad choice that we knew was a bad choice at the time, but looking in the rearview mirror of your life, you're like, holy cow, was that a bad choice? I've known people that married somebody. And 5, 10, 20 years down the road, they look back and they think, you know, man, that was not... A good choice. And just let me say this because I'm going to say it and it needs to be said. In the Scriptures, brothers and sisters, marriage is something that is a sacred covenant. Everybody's marriage is tough. I don't care how sweet you think that girl is. She's going to be a pain in the neck. In other parts of the anatomy. I don't care how godly and good you think that guy is. He's going to be a, a beast at times for you to have to deal with. Learn to live up to your commitments. When I got married, I said something to the effect, and when you got married, you said something to the effect of until death do us part. That means find a way to make it work. My grandfather said for a man to be married to a woman for 20-25 years and then divorce her because he's tired of her ought to be taken outside the barn and horse whipped. Yeah. 
That's a dead quote from Marshall Fuquay. You make it work, brothers and sisters. You realize you made a commitment and you live up to your commitment. Easy's got nothing to do with it. Hard's got nothing to do with it. Commitment has everything to do with it. There's consequences in our lives for the choices that we make. And number four, The continual love of God. It's amazing. This whole thing happens and Adam and Eve have messed up. They've heard now the consequences. And what, what does God do? God goes, kills an animal and makes them, makes them close. <laughs> you, you knuckleheads, you messed up the whole thing. You're going over there, you tried to sew together some leaves and they're breaking up all apart and you're about half naked again. <laughs> and, and I know you don't know how to make any clothes here, so I'm going to go kill a couple of animals and, and sacrifice them to take care of you. God's continual love. You know, God's continual love for you and me is, is staggering. <laughs> you and I have fallen to temptation and messed up in our life so many times, it's, 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 uh, it's, it ought to make us ashamed to some degree how often and how weak we can be sometimes in our commitment to want to be the righteous and holy people of God. Yeah. But God continues to love us. That's one of the most incredible, encouraging things of my life when I think about it. God continues to love me. You know, I was in a big meeting yesterday. As a matter of fact, several meetings. Almost all the day. And, and, uh, and you know, I, in, in one of the meetings, at the end of the meeting, I, I said something that, that bothered me, you know. I thought, you know, I shouldn't have said that. It was a little harsh and a little judgmental. A little rugged. You know, I can do things like that every once in a while. I know that shocked all of you. <laughs> now, whether I sinned or not, I'm not totally sure. I might have. But I was in the range of possibility, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. It wasn't an encouraging comment, let's put it that way. God continues to love me. Now, people might get a little annoyed with me every once in a while, but God <laughs> continues to love me. You know what? You sin, I sin. People say, well, why? I've been a Christian for five years, I've been a Christian for ten years, why am I still falling into temptation? Because you're still human. Why are you still doing some things that you know you shouldn't do? Because you're human. There's not going to be a time in our life where we have mastered it, brothers and sisters. We got it down. I am this awesome, wonderful Christian and I'm just walking through life. Yeah, and you're about one step from falling on your nose too. We are all going to fall. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to fall short of the glory of God. Time and time again. But God continues to love us. And like us, just so I say it as well. You know, God doesn't look at you and say, well, you sorry, worthless dog, I love you. <laughs> God looks at us and says, okay, come on, Mark. Let's go. Come on, come on, dude. Come on. Let's go. You can do better than this. I know you can. I've seen you do it good before. Come on. And God is in there with us. It's going to be a fun study to do this the next few weeks. Next Sunday is going to be on Job. And uh, uh, I'm telling you, man, Job is a story. 
So you're going to be here next week to get Job. That's going to be a great temptation. Uh, and uh, for those of you that have never read the book of Job, our job, whatever, uh, read, read, read the book of Job, read the book of Job, and uh, you'll, you'll uh, see the temptation a story that goes there. And then the next week we're going to tell about Jesus, which will be a combination of Jesus at the beginning of his life and then Jesus in the garden of uh, temptation as well. I'm tempted. You're tempted. We're all tempted. Let's learn how we can deal with temptation better in our life and live the kind of lives that God would want us to live and that we want to live too. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day.